there are a sizable number of people who are quite literally addicted to iconoclasm, to smashing things up. They get such a rush from, from the, the victimhood, challenging from, from, from all of those things. And the, the destruction that comes out of that, I think people need to appreciate it for what it is. And, and it's getting to this idea of rock bottom. But I was thinking about this. I was thinking about how can we, how can we describe the culture? And it's, it's almost like the, the culture's in the grip of an addiction. Welcome to the New Flesh Podcast, the podcast you deserve. My name is Jonathan Atro. With me, as always, is Ricky Allpike. Ricky, how are you? I'm, I'm good, thanks. I thought you had a little extra to no, say. No, no, because I just want to get that out of the way. I don't really care how you are. I got a question for you. Do you do you do you like history? I do like history. Yes. Well, that was a trick. It's actually her street. So <laughs> yes. you fail. <laughs> you fail. <laughs> yeah, this has actually been of a, a hundred and eighty episode uh, sting to cancel oh, you. Yes, and just to expose me. Yeah, and so now everyone knows. Uh, <laughs> but please don't expose yourself to today's guest, uh, uh, Philip Kisseley from the New Culture Forum, among other things. He's going to talk to us about culture, uh, history, you know, some film stuff in there. So, I mean, yeah, I'm pumped. Yeah, me too. Philip Kisseley is a published author and academic, currently a senior fellow at the New Culture Forum, appearing weekly on their YouTube program, Newspeak. His work covers 20th century British cultural and political history with a focus on television, film and music. He is the co-founding editor of the international peer-reviewed journal Punk and Post-Punk, and his book Hollywood Through Private Eyes deals with screen adaptations of hard-boiled detective novels. Philip has also completed a short documentary for the New Culture Forum entitled The War on Our history which is part of their heresy series we're delighted to have him on the show to discuss history and culture philip welcome to the new flesh thanks guys thanks for having me it's a real pleasure to be here so philip you've written and spoken about history quite a bit in recent times which is why we feel you're eminently qualified to answer this question is our history problematic let me put it another way is it fair to say that dunkirk has a black trans lesbian problem It, it's one of those things, isn't it, where um, I, I look back, I've always been interested in history, like most people, but I've had a professional interest in history for the best part of 20 years now. Um, <clears throat> I think, looking back, I was a bit naive, um, because I, like, like most people, I, I saw the signs of what we were doing with history, uh, and we were doing it increasingly, uh, and it's and it's something that Frank Ferradi, the sociologist Frank Ferradi, and you might have had him on the, I think you've had him on the the show, haven't you? Yes. Yeah, he calls it reading history backwards. Okay, so essentially, it's it's looking back through history and and, and plotting, taking out these little bits and pieces that essentially you hate, and measuring them against the. Um, the values, a specific set of values from one dominant cultural group and finding them wanting. Uh, and that's happening more and more and more. So what we what we don't do properly is look at history and construct it and try to understand the past. We tell history off. You know, we look at the past and we tell history off. Why do we do that? Because it makes us feel good about ourselves or it makes the group that does that feel good about themselves. Um, and there are other reasons why that happens as well. But I think I think really that's the main one. 
um, we, we, we measure the past against ourselves. We find it wanting and, and aren't we sophisticated? Aren't we great? And I think that's, that's something that really happens. So I, I'd been aware of that. If you're, if you're a historian, you, you can't not be aware of that, but I hadn't thought that we would be rewriting history to the extent we are doing. And I didn't even think that five years ago, but I'm here now. And this is pretty much in terms of my public work, this is all I do. You know, I'm, I'm talking about history. I'm talking about these particular agendas, and I never used to. Perhaps I should have thought about them more 10 years ago. So just to follow up there, is is that idea of like looking back in, into history and, and, and measuring uh, or, or comparing that to current morals, is that something that's, that's always happened in our uh, pursuit or, or our study of history? I think it has to a certain extent. We see the past um, through the prism of ourselves, I think, because it's impossible not to do that. But um, I think what's happened is the balance has has changed. We don't narrate history anymore. We simply deconstruct. And we we don't construct the past. I would describe myself as a constructivist historian, in which sense I want to... I want to understand how people felt and what people did and what they were like and what they thought I don't necessarily just want to kind of look at them uh, in a one-dimensional way and as I said before tell them off you know uh, people are different you know uh, people were different in the past they looked different um, they smelled differently you know uh, they certainly thought differently because their experience was completely different I'm old enough to remember the the late 70s and, and 1980s and people were different again then um it just it just feels as though we're going through a particular kind of revolution and it feels it feels like it's going to get a hell of a lot worse before it gets better because we're 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 destroying our history we're destroying our backstory our grand narratives and we're doing it for a reason um and it's because the the those those stories they're they're part of our identity and the woke i hate that word but it's the best word to use the woke revolutionaries want to destroy that identity mm, it seems strange that pro- progressives are so uh are so obsessed with identity but then they're sort of kind of erasing our identity by re- rewriting history or or just picking the bits that they want or uh you know or, or, or casting it in sort of a, a dis- disingenuous light yeah i think i think there's something perverse going on and when we talk about progressives, we're actually talking about authoritarians now, aren't we? Um, and when we, I've just been here in in the UK this weekend. There's been a a protest in Scotland uh, around um, trans, the, the you know trans ideology, um, and the progressives are carrying um, banners um, saying "decapitate turfs," you know, and "I eat turfs," um, and there's a, a fetishistic. Um, violence violence towards women uh, and and sexual violence towards children that seems to be developing and and is is burgeoning around a lot of progressive narratives um, which is extremely worrying well just on that this 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 nastiness uh, that we've seen seems to go unpunished and sometimes is it seems sanctioned almost uh, that we, this stuff we see coming from the left 
Where, where does this extraordinarily awful behaviour come from? And why, so why is it allowed to continue? This could be anything from, as you, you just mentioned, these, these horrendous sort of sexually charged or violent signs we see at these, these, these trans rallies, which are, are, in any plain sense, so, so awful. Uh, I just don't know how that anyone could stand next to them. Uh, but then we've got stalking sometimes, obviously massive doxing and, 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 and all the way down to, 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 some, to workplace ramifications. But, uh, or, or even to the end, I mean, I don't know how far they want to take it because sometimes it really seems they're trying to drive people to suicide or something. So, I mean, I just want to know where, if you've got a, a, a sort of a big picture theory as to why everything is so nasty, in, uh, particularly from that, that side at the moment. The reason it doesn't go unchallenged... I think that's what you're saying, isn't it, mm. uh, to begin with? And then we, we, we might think about motivation after that. But one of the reasons it doesn't go unchallenged is because historically they're always seen to be on, you know, the the, the right side of history. You know, it's um, if you think about civil rights, if you think about gay rights, if you think about class struggle, all of the, those things we look back on and we think, well, actually, yes, you know, that's those are all perfectly legitimate things and 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 now we have a society that that is much better for for that struggle so there's a there's a there's a heritage thing going on there and and the you know the, the hashtag at the moment is right side of history isn't it you know so they're they're using that and people do feel that that oh well you know it's coloration isn't it it's it's self-identity i feel as though i am a progressive this is all in the name of, of progressive politics so I'm I'm hesitant to challenge it. This isn't right-wing skinheads wearing Doc Martins and, you know, kicking the shit out of people for fun. Or at least it doesn't look like that. This is, you know, this is men, you know, identifying as as women. These are tend to be university students. Uh, they tend to be middle class often. You know, they tend to be really quite literate. They're educated um they live online as much as anything you know so so there's a sense that the the, the violence doesn't seem the violence is is virtual at the moment but i think it's like a horrible waiting game i'm waiting for that to change you know i'm waiting i'm waiting for that to to, to become much more real and much more prevalent um but i think that's one of the reasons why i think historically people uh people see themselves as as progressives and and they see themselves often many people see themselves culturally on the left and 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 they see that well actually I should be supporting this I should be supporting trans rights and I'll turn a blind eye to some of the stuff that's going on but I think culturally I, I mean I don't know what you guys think about this but I think culturally this stuff is almost like an addiction if you see this this stuff online um, and it and it feels as though it's almost like an addiction to pornography or an addiction to alcoholism or something like that, or alcohol. And it feels as though the culture's got to get to rock bottom before it starts getting better. It's what I was saying before about things are going to have to, you know, get worse before they start getting better. I think it will have to do, because I think people need to... The people looking on, I think people need to see more egregious examples. You know, I think people need to see um, very definite evidence of all of this bile and hatred of the stuff we we saw on Saturday here in, in Glasgow. So I think 
I think I think that's one thing, but I think we've got to come to terms with what this this addiction is, and there are a sizable number of people who are quite literally addicted to iconoclasm to smashing things up they get such a rush from from the, the victimhood challenging from 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 all of those things and the the destruction that comes out of that i think people need to appreciate it for what it is and and it's getting to this idea of rock bottom i don't know whether you agree with that actually you might not do but i was thinking about this i was thinking about how can we how can we describe the culture and it's it's almost like the the culture's in the grip of an addiction and, and I would say identitarianism, um, intersectionality is a kind of addiction. It's pushing for that virtuous high all the time, pushing, pushing, pushing. And there's such a, a pleasure in the iconoclasm. There's such a pleasure in the destruction. There's such a pleasure in the, in the you know, in the assertion of self. Um, it, it feels as though there's a long way to go before that can begin to be dismantled and we can ha- begin to have rationable, reasonable discussions about things like race, gender, sexuality, the environment, all of those things. I think it, 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 I'm just struck by, and th- this reference might come from the second half of our conversation perhaps, but I, I'm just fascinated. You said these people seem literate and uh, and I'm fascinated by that because there seems to be a, 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 a lack of wisdom. You know, mm. when I watch a film like Death Wish, uh, I can recognize that uh, the streets are bad and, um, you know, bad things are happening and we've got to do something about that. And although it might feel good uh, and righteous, there, there is a, there, it, it's a, a by, any, by, by any means necessary approach uh, will not give me the result that I, that I expect. And it's funny that, that that is a film that, you know, just a a mainstream little film that 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 can bring you that little kernel that you go, oh yes, uh, by any means necessary. That's 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 a you know, uh, you know, a, a tricky road to go down. Yet these people seem to be, no one is calling out th- this attitude amongst all these people. We see, yeah, it doesn't matter. Statues th- thrown into into the ocean. Who cares? Um, uh, you know, b- businesses burnt down in in some places. Doesn't matter that they're owned by <laughs> immigrants or whatever. You know, so I'm just fascinated that at the at the at the lack of wisdom there, and everyone is seems to be uh, sort of supporting them in this this project of, as you say, iconoclasm. It's a, it's, a, it's a broader problem, and I think the, the problem we've got in the culture is that we um, we celebrate the the teenage, we celebrate the adolescent. We we think children are, are are full of wisdom, and children are not. You only get wisdom through experience. Children are not full of wisdom. Um, children might be clever, and they you know they might have some insights, but they're not. But the the, the culture is this adolescent adoration of revolution as well. You know, if you if if you are if you are good and you're a vibrant person and you're doing things and you're revolutionary, let's change things. You know, it's always well. Why don't we change things? Let's move forward. Let's move forward. Um, and there's some, you know, there's, there's some good in in changing things, and we do have to we do have to move forward and we do have to change with the times. But but there is this sense of adoring change for the sake of it. So I so I think some of it comes out of that and the the romance the adolescent romance of being a revolutionary you know um a lot of this stuff is online we we you know um i spend a lot of too much time way too much time 
on Twitter, but uh, I've, been, I've only been on it for about a year or so, actually. But, I just watched now, the video where you said, oh, I'm not on Twitter and, in that, and then suddenly, and now you're on it all the now time. Now I am. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought, I, I, thought I, I wish I wasn't actually now. Uh, so I shouldn't I. be. But I, I, I kind of thought, well, maybe I should be at that time because that's, that's kind of where it's all happening. And yes, it's all happening there. I've seen it and I don't need to see any more. Um, <laughs> but it, it is, it is on there. You know, and and that is where the that's where the ideas are formulating, and that's where the madness is. You know, and the and the the madness percolates down in into the institutions, but it's it's, it's driven. It's actually driven online. I think it used to be the other way. You know, the institutions used to lead, but I don't think they do anymore. I think it's driven by this craziness, um, and you see it. You know, you see it. The 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 thing that I've just been talking about in, in Glasgow and anything, any, wherever Posey Parker is, all the stuff that follows her, all of the, the protest that follows her is a physical manifestation of Twitter. And as I said before, there's only, it's only going to be a, 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 a question of time before that, before that protest turns into something, something different. You can see the same thing with the environment. That's, you know, those protests, which are essentially kind of throwing soup. And isn't it hilarious when they get it all over themselves, when they, they, they throw something at a building and all of a sudden they, they, they're turned into the tango man, you know? Um, but um, that again, I feel as though that's going to escalate and that, and uh, that might well turn into terrorism. I hope, I hope, my God, I hope not. My God, I hope not. But that's my fear. And I think it comes from this disembodied space, which is the the online, you know, which is which is very new. Social media is very new. We don't know what the hell we're doing with it. But everybody knows when when you're in this online space, it feels like you're disengaged, you're disassociated from from physical consequences. That's why they love it so much, you know. But there's the, the one guy who's just been um tweeting uh about jk rowling and, and posey parker and, and death threats and 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 all the rest of it he's you know he's he's been outed and there are consequences and and some you know he's gonna have to he's gonna have to face the music um but there's this sense of this 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 space where anything goes and it's and it's really really frightening so i think that's again to answer the question in a very long form way i think that's where it comes from well they they seem to have a narrative about Western history that that our societies have gleefully bounded from from massacre to massacre while while raping the earth and filling the sky with black smoke and and their pockets with riches. I mean, what what do you think the end goal in pushing this kind of narrative is? You see, I don't think they know what the end goal is. I think they think they know, but they don't really. They've got no idea what the end goal will be. I I know what it's going to be. My family comes from uh, Hungary. Um, and my father was born in 1933, uh, lived through Nazi occupation, lived through um, uh, Soviet occupation, escaped from Hungary in 1956, had a gun to his head, um, they pulled the trigger. There was no bullets in it, and they laughed, you know, the uh, the Russian soldiers. Um, he got out of the country, um, and everything that the equity merchants want, everything that the revolutionaries want, always turns to shit, always turns to Soviet, the Soviet Union, always turns to North Korea, always turns to China. You know, so that would be where where we're going. They don't they don't think that, you know, because if they, they think 
when immature people think in utopian terms, they just think of, of, of sunshine, you know. Uh, but of course, we're heading for the darkest night possible. Um, and and this is what happens when you've got when the culture is 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 driven by immature, um, often isolated, vulnerable revolutionaries. Um, and I don't want to be part of it. Well, do you think that uh, countries outside the West view their history in the same way that you know that we, we we see in the Anglosphere? I'm pretty sure all of our countries. Uh, in the Anglosphere, I think have the same uh, rot. So, what, what do you? What's your experience of other countries, or what do you reckon? No, I don't, I don't think they do. Let's just stick with um, Eastern Europe for, for the moment, um, and, and particularly Hungary, because I, I know it very well. I know the other countries as well. I've travelled quite widely in Central and Eastern Europe, but I think um, Hungary's history is defined by tragedy. Okay, and their idea of, of self is about preservation more than anything else. I think countries in the Anglosphere, their idea of, of history in terms of the dominant culture is defined by guilt. Um, and those two emotions work in very, very different ways when you think about your past and your identity. So the, the guilt that that is drives through the institutions, through the media, through the church, the Church of England, actually, uh, through the civil service, but mostly through the education institutions. All of that stuff is about deconstructing that past, problematizing that past, thinking that we need to decenter ourselves because of the, the rest of the world. It's about things coming to an end as well. It's about you know being, I suppose, culturally and politically dominant for a very, very long time, and that just coming to an end. It's like the, you know an empire coming to an end. There's part of that as well, and on we. But I think the two driving forces there with other countries it's tragedy especially with eastern europe uh, and, and with the west and the anglosphere it's guilt and i think there's, there's there's something really in that but you said it philip that, that why don't we say the word i guess we might as well say it white guilt more i i feel like that's a term that had its day and no one says it anymore i reckon it would be so much better if some of these companies, like BMW or whatever, said, yeah, we're doing this diversity down and said, it's a bit like in Seinfeld when he says, why are you doing, returning this? And he goes, first bite, you know, like you should just be able to say, why are you doing this? For, for white guilt. And then it, that would, to me, make a lot more sense. But I feel like they don't want to put a name, a plain name to it. So we, we go, we consult Robin D'Angelo and all the rest of them to come up with, you know, creepy corporate names. But this is what we're talking about, right? Yeah, it, it kind of it works in various ways, doesn't it? Because it's not just political and it's not just cultural. It's actually a marketing tool as well. So, you know, you have to you have to buy into all of these narratives to uh, yeah, how many times have you you kind of you know, you bought a pot of yogurt or something, and it's all about how this thing is going to be recycled and what it's doing for the environment and, and, and what you're doing for the environment. And if you recycle it, you're going to be a good person. You know, I'm thinking about my lemon curd yogurt. You know, I'm not thinking about being a good person. But if they don't buy into this kind of thing, then they're terrified. It becomes a you know, there's it's it's the tyranny of of, of all of this stuff. Um, you see it on um, 
on ad- adverts, especially in this country, I, d- I don't know what it's like where you are, but on, on adverts on this country, there's been a, an exodus of, of 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 white people, and there's, there's been an, an particularly white middle aged men. You know, the culture doesn't speak to me. White middle aged men, I don't exist. Okay, um, heterosexual white middle aged men are just removed f- from all of that thing, because if they if they were there, then then you know the the product would be in danger so this is how this kind of stuff works but the minute you start saying oh well the, what we're talking about here is white guilt they don't say that because <laughs> you say all right well let's 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 deconstruct white guilt and let's let's what what actually have we got to be guilty about uh or more importantly as, as douglas murray does in, in his, his latest book that's what 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 should we celebrate about ourselves? And I think the last chapter in his book is a celebration of Western culture. It's huge, you know. And so they don't want to do that. No, that's the last thing they want to do. Let's not mention white guilt now. It was mentioned a while ago. Let's just let's just let it play out. And I think that's how it works. Well, let's let's get practical for a second here. Uh, how do we rescue history? God, that's a tough question. Um, people ask me, right? People ask me what success looks like in this kind of stuff. So I do quite a lot of um, public speaking and, and, you know, I'm on television quite a bit and I I do do these uh, podcasts and all of that kind of thing. What what does success look like in, in rescuing the culture, first of all? Okay. Well, it doesn't look like getting sacked, okay, from from your job and being cancelled and all of that kind of thing, right? So you can't, you know... Unless you can make a stand, unless unless you're you know you're um, financially independent and all of that kind of stuff, um, you can't actually just you know say it as it is, get sacked, and end up working a night shift in in a, in a supermarket. That that's not what success looks like to me. Okay, I think I've just written a chapter for um, for the New Culture Forum book, Fighting Back. Which, which is absolutely about this. And I think, for me, success is actually quite small steps at the moment, okay? So I think it's doing things in your life, personally, that you're happy with and you feel kind of represent integrity. And they can be really, really small things, okay? But I think really where the fight back starts and and where we save our history is the education system. Now, in this this country, we've had, what is it, 12 going on 13 years of conservative rule, right? And they've done absolutely nothing to, to, to save that education system from what I would call an identitarian onslaught from revolutionary Marxist. It's the, the institutions are absolutely and totally captured. Okay, so the easy thing that people say is, well, what should we do? Well, we should we should we should build new universities. We should build new universities. Okay, in in what universe are you going to get the money to build new universities? When how are you going to get all of those things through the various processes, checks and balances where you where you create a university? We have the independent university, University of Buckingham here. Oh, that's an awful long time, an awful lot of money. I'm, I'm not saying we shouldn't go down that route, but that is a generational route. Um, I think we should teach in different ways. Um, and, and I think we should um, 
organizations like the New Culture Forum, for example, um, Battle of Ideas, uh, Screwtopia, all of these um, smaller educational um, either institutions or summer schools or whatever you want to call them, I think should be more engaged um, with delivering uh, and challenging orthodoxies in education. Um, and I think that's that's the way to go about it. That's one way. Um, I think there are lots and lots of other ways. But for me, as a as a, a teacher, that that's one of the things that I, I really feel. We're, we're just teaching our students that uh, and on our pupils self loathing, um, and it, and it's turning that it, it's the inter- intellectual kernel of, of who and what we are, and then from there everything else kinds of fall, falls into place. Then you can start thinking about historical narratives. But I suppose you've got to position yourself first in relation to those historical nar- narratives. Position yourself reasonably, yeah? Uh, and that means getting away from this um, obsessive guilt, this obsessive self-hatred, this obsessive self-flagellation. Do, do you think part of the problem is that that we put too much emphasis on having a university degree? Like, it's, it's a bit of an arms race, you know. Oh, I've got a certificate. Oh, well, I've got a bachelor's degree. Oh, here's my master's. Here's my PhD. Like, you know, uh, back in the day, say say in industry like journalism, it, it would be a bit more of a trade. You would you would shadow someone. You would you know get 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 a job in the copy room, and you'd work your way up, and you'd learn the ropes. Like, do you think we need to, in some industries at least, go back to that sort of a model? I think it will go back to that that kind of a model. I think what what's happening with universities and and we're seeing it in this country is that universities have moved away from teaching subjects, and you 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 see. Um, I'm talking about the arts, humanities, and social sciences here. You don't get taught the subject; you just get taught a set of values you know um intersectional values so if you're if you're reading literature or, or drama or something like that you don't get a sense of a canon a body of work you get a sense of how you can apply queer theory to to a particular text or you you, you get a sense of how you can you know you can racialize something uh, so you can't read literature literature is, is just you know absolutely collapsed into it's almost like a spot the ball spot that you know there's the sexism there there's racism there oh there's transphobia there it's it's you know we're, we're reading 17th century stuff there's transphobia there you know it's ludicrous <laughs> so i think i think what the um i think what the the, the universities are doing are, are painting themselves into in, into a corner and and they are not providing an education um some of them are are you know it has to be said are providing a, a, a ideological indoctrination um and i think more and more people are seeing that i get that all the time i get people writing to me all the time and 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 saying well i don't feel as though i should um my daughter or my son um is at the age to go to university but I, i really don't think they should i'm frightened of them going I'm frightened of them going to university because I, I, I'm, I'm worried about what they're going to do, what they're going to pick up. Um, I don't think they're going to learn anything meaningful. And you have to say, well, I can see where your concerns are. I can see where your concerns are. It's funny, J- John and I, we, you know, we're, we're afraid of what our kids are going to learn in primary school. They're not even there yet. Yeah. I mean, um, we just, it, it, curiously enough, it seems that 
for all sorts of reasons. It seems that in this country, Scotland is at the vanguard of all of this stuff. Um, and they've just done this gender recognition thing, which which the government have just pushed back, which um, it, it's, it's really about children, rec- you know, being able to identify their gender. Um, and, and one... Um, Scottish uh, politician, I think she's called Maggie Chapman. I think she's a, a, a green politician, Scottish green politician. So, you know, children as young as eight should be allowed to identify their own their own gender. Um, that's where we are. I don't have to give any commentary on on that. What what I think about that, I don't think because it's it's self explanatory. But it's frightening, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, look, I I just want to want your advice, Philip. I mean, this is, this will be an ongoing question, I'm sure. But you know, how do we bridge the gap? Because when I talk to um, you know my my family or some normie, they're all pretty much normies. We're surrounded by, and so they they're not they don't know about libs of TikTok, <laughs> and they don't you know, which is which is good in a way, you know. Uh, so, but the moment because you said it before, you said the the word that would would. I think be a red flag for them. You said um, Marxists, and the moment mm. you say Marxist, normies just go. They just switch off. They just go. Oh, okay. So I don't have to listen anymore. And so then you then you lose the, tra- the you you lose the ability to to explain to them that you know um, the curriculum they're being their kid being, is being taught is filled with you know nonsense written by academics, written by you know self selected academics, and. You know, it's as plain as day, and because uh, even when I started to go down the track, I with with um, a couple of my relatives just the other day, um, it was coming out all wrong. <laughs> it was coming out all wrong, and they looked at me like, and they they said stuff like, "One of the my, um, my brother-in-law, who I I love dearly, he looked at me like all serious and said, well, we want the kids to know what happened.' You know, like, and and there was this there was this underline there, like as as in like as if I was trying to. I don't know, scrub, scrub all the bad bits or something. So it was, it was. Anyway, the point is, how do we bridge the gap for 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 people? It's really difficult, isn't it? Because what what people tend to do, and and this is people, social conservatives, actually, or you, we call them normies. That's a great word, isn't it? Normies. Yeah. Um, um, what they tend to do is say. Oh yeah, it's it's political correctness gone mad. It's it's all of those things. It's just a bit crazy, and, and we understand that. We appreciate that. But actually, once once the child goes to university, it'll be different. No, it won't. Or once the child leaves university, it'll be different. And once they've got the the, the responsibility of a mortgage of children of, of all of those things, then then they'll just they'll just see it for for what it was. I think that's the most dangerous position you can have, right? Because what you really need to do is look at the detail. The devil's in the detail. It's not really about political correctness. You know, that that that's a that's a phrase that kind of died years and years ago, but people still use it. This is about absolutely and totally drilling down to the fundamentals of our identity and changing them, messing with them. You know, it's about it's about taking the grand narratives, not only that we make sense of, of the the world and the nation by, but the grand narratives which we make sense of ourselves by and changing them and messing with them. And if you're doing that with eight year olds, 
uh, it reminds me of the the um, you know the the big Lebowski eight year olds dude. You know, um, it's it, it's that it's that you know it's that craziness. If you're doing that with eight year olds, then you you can't really come back from that. It's the same thing with critical race theory. Okay, it's not political correctness gone mad. It's much more detailed. It's much more complex than that. You know, your whole. Your whole being, your whiteness, is historically ancestrally evil. Okay, it's difficult to come back from that. It's difficult to move away from that and say, all right, well, how can we make it better? The point is you can't, right? You can't. All you can ever do is just suffer in this evilness. So the point I'm trying to make is that people need to take notice and they need to look at the detail. And they need to say, well, actually, what are you teaching my seven or eight-year-old? What are you teaching my teenager? How, how do I feel about this? How do other parents feel about this? Okay, what's going on? What What is this critical race theory? What, what is queer theory? What, what, are the, what are the ramifications of collapsing? every single boundary and border of our lives what what's going on there so it's asking though it's asking those questions so you have to you know this is what they say isn't it educate yourself but you really do you need to you need to have a, a handle on on where this stuff comes from you need to have you need you need to have some kind of understanding of what it can do and then i think you can probably make some decisions but but until then I think what you've just described there is is that most people, um, I think, come up against that, and you have to say, you know, look, no, really, you 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 don't know what's going on here. The devil's in the detail, and you need to you need to you need to enter the culture war. You need to fight. You need to push back on these ideas, and um, and we as a society need to offer some viable alternatives. Well, it's it's interesting. I've got a, a unique experience because uh, Ricky and I, uh, uh, I think his kid's about to start primary school, mine's about to start daycare, and um, so I've I've read some of their curriculum. It's there's not there's some not great stuff in there. And but then a few years ago, I went uh, back to university. Uh, you know, had a bit of a, a crisis and went back and studied literature, thinking it was going to be. Yeah, me standing on the desk desk for Robin Williams, like and and reading out poetry and just and you know Shakespeare and all that. And I had to fight really hard to find the literature units to group them all together to not have to do all the other stuff to get credits to get rid of dumb dumb units. And then the the the, the I have no way to describe the the way. No one had told me they should have got up at the beginning and said, "Oh, by the way, since you went to uni the first time." This whole place has been totally captured by postmodernism. So the idea is that you, you, you know, there is no such thing as aesthetics. There's no such thing as good literature. Uh, when you know, in fact, you know, a, a graphic novel is just as good as Hamlet is as good as a video game. And here's the key word because this, this, this is why I started this whole rant is because this whole thing seems so joyless. It is such a joy. I wanted great books. I wanted all the great books and I got, even when, when, when these PhD students got up to talk to us about why we should study a PhD, it was just 
people who kind of hated the people they were studying or like spending their lives hating, <laughs> you know? Look, I'm laughing, right? Uh, and we can see each other. I know this is a, a, just a, an audio podcast. We can see each other. And I'm laughing. And I'm not laughing because I find it funny, ha-ha, right? I'm, I'm laughing just because it, I, I know precisely what you mean, okay? I know exactly what you mean. I think... How about this? You've just described that. Okay, let me let me just throw this back to you then. And and it feels as though education generally, I'm not I'm not picking on any any particular institution here, but it feels as though education generally has fallen into this cult-like religion. Okay. And everything comes back to the same thing. It should be a marketplace of ideas. Okay, it should be a bastion of free thinking if we think about the university. But what you've just described there is 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 a it, it is it, it's like a, it's like a religion, isn't it? And 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 it's this this place where we 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 study this stuff and we and we have a a moral stance on this stuff and it, and it, and you're there literally to rubbish the whole thing. It's the opposite of what it should be. You're there to rubbish the whole thing because it's wicked and it's evil. And we don't have this kind of confidence in ourselves. We don't have, you know, we're in this post-religion moment, aren't we, um, in in the West. Um, it's probably slightly different um, in, in America, but I think in in, in the UK and, and, and in, in Australia probably um, and on the seaboards of, 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 um, of the States, we're in this post-religion moment and we've got, it's this. It's this transition. It's, it's a metaphysical transition. We're trying to find out not just who we are, but what we are, and that and that that we're trying to we're trying to have a, a new sense of what we are, and and we're looking for something to believe in. The culture is looking for something to believe in, and we don't know. We haven't got something to believe in as a culture, but what we do have is something very definite to repudiate. And what happens is that we spend all of our time, you know, rewriting history, destroying history, destroying the culture, but there's nothing meaningful there to take its place. And that's the really worrying thing, that when you when you tell me about your, your university course there, you're, you're talking about iconoclasm, you're talking about destruction, you're talking about, you know, self-loathing. But what that's that's part of a revolution isn't it that's that's one half of a revolution the the other part is is the new utopia what's going to take its place and and it seems to me we've only got a set of societies that are built on rights claims and and that there's nothing of any more substance that's there it's a set of societies that are built on rights claims and that's the worst possible i sound like douglas murray here don't i but it's the worst possible foundation for a society because rights claims change all the time you see we, we've been talking about the 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 clash between trans and, and and women so this this trans rights claim now you know that which is the the center of of of, of leftist thinking now um didn't really exist 20 years ago but it clashes massively with women's rights in terms of sports, in terms of spaces, in terms of safeguarding, all of those things. And so what we're going towards is something that is hideously unstable. 
hideously unstable like many of the people who are promoting these things. But perhaps they could have, and this is the, the, my final point on it, because I, I, you know, I could go, I think I'm going into the stratosphere with this, this point, but if they went to university, some of these people, and read that text from, from hundreds of years ago, Hamlet, and saw the hand-wringing of someone who, uh, uh, the whole play, wondered what the right thing to do was, you know, is it right? Is it right to avenge my father? Is it right? What does it mean to be a good king? Well, you know, if I kill him, will I be a good king? Will I be a good son? I've I've been asked to do it. I, I, oh, he's right in front of me. Should I do it? No, I can't. So, it, it's 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 the this kind of wisdom I think is is totally missing from uh, the progressive side of the occasion. A uh, 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 persuasion. Sorry. Yeah, I think there's something else to add there, and there's an element of laziness right? Intellectual laziness. But let's just get back to Hamlet for a second. Psychologically, it's amazing. You know, you, 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 you read that and you, and you, it's a, in lots of ways, it's a, it's a case study of, of clinical depression. You know, it's this idea of, of, of just being frozen and not knowing what to do. And, and, and it's, and it's, and it's a remarkable to think that it's 400 years old. My God, you know, it's remarkable. Um, and you can get lost in that in that narrative but people part of the 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 problem we've got is is a sense of intellectual one intellectual laziness okay there's a sense that all of my ideas are already there in neat theoretical little boxes that i can just take off the shelf and apply to a text okay i don't have to think uh oh what what should i do with this oh feminism uh uh, uh, post-colonialism yeah, it's all it's all there. It's all done. I don't have to think about the text. Actually, I just have to pick pieces out. I can just go through on a computer, put in keywords, and and then say, "Oh, racism." Yeah, it's a browser so it's, extension. It's, 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 it's laziness. Okay, it's intellectual laziness. But on the back of that, there's also a poverty of the imagination. Okay, and and to really engage and love the past and love history you as i said before you have to construct it and you have to imagine it you know um you have to engage with it and people i sound like a little fuddy-duddy here don't i but people are so reaction you know they 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 can't they can't create things because everything's done for them um and they don't want to it's just very easy to just say oh well that's rubbish and that's shit and that's racism and that's easy to say that isn't it it's easy to knock things down it's not easy to imagine things and build things um and that's where we are that's one of the reasons that's one of the reasons these things happen mm. sometimes it feels as if it's if if, if everyone uh, that's right of the center and and many in the middle have completely abandoned the arts as something of value now, I'm not advocating for for ideological art, which which is usually usually quite boring. But I'm just wondering if if you feel this vacuum like we do, like many of the people in our spaces, for example, don't substantially engage with art on any level. The one, you know, the the one that's really gone is humour, isn't it? Comedy has just disappeared. You 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 cannot laugh at anything. If you do laugh at anything then um, the chances are you're, you're, you're indulging in an ism or a phobia. Mm. So, so that, that's completely gone. You can't watch movies or television because you're being clubbed over the head by this very simplistic message, which is about gender, race, or, or, or 
or sexuality, you know, is one of those messages or sometimes combination of the two and white people being wicked. And there's also, you know, white men destroying the environment as well. So that's, that's all, te- I've just, you know, described all television in a sentence there. Yeah. Um, it's frightening. It's, it's depressing. But I, I never engage with 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 modern culture I, I i just don't because there's there's not not there's not a huge amount there to engage with we were talking about this on the new culture forum was what what what, what things do you engage with and, and and rafe my colleague on there said well i watch um i watch the archive on the bbc you know that that's about as near <laughs> to that's about as near to the uh, uh, uh modern culture as you as, as we'll get but it's something else about the death of of things it's the end of things in lots of i don't want to sound really depressing and miserable but anybody who knows i mean you guys are into movies and 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 popular culture aren't you anybody who knows uh and and is into the 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 kind of the currency of popular culture and anyone who's got a sense of a a history of of the past of 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 popular culture film history television history music history uh, my god pop music history um knows that it's it's dead and the thing is the, the question is where do we go from here where, where do we go from here and and i don't have the answer to that you know i really well, don't sorry to cut you off philip but i can see a poster of parallax view on the on the back wall there uh one of your many posters and that buries any film for of the last 20 years really like straight straight up like like that if i showed that to when i was teaching uh screenwriting if i'd showed that to my students i mean the stuff i showed them that you know they just it just i mean a film like that they would they wouldn't know how to process a film like that they wouldn't know what they're being because they, and their first instinct would be to come at it from a, a moral standpoint uh, you know they would never look beyond that it's the simplicity isn't it of the approach what's right and wrong how can how can i see this in, in terms of black and white but it does feel like we're living you mentioned the parallax view it feels like we're living that that amazing montage in the middle of <laughs> yes. the parallax. yes yes that's what we're. If 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 listeners know about know about the film, that's what it feels like. We're a living grooming it. montage. We're we're living through that montage, aren't we? You know, there's yes. there's education for you in 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 a, in a five minute clip. Well, you po- <laughs> you post regularly on your Twitter feed about what you're reading and and watching, and it's all yeah. uh, it's it's fascinating detective novels and goody dramas, things like that. Uh, which I think is a fascinating insight uh, these days because we're all so siloed away from each other. So I really do appreciate when you do that because um, it's just you go, oh, okay, like it's not just watching Bridgerton or something, you know, like you're 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 showing us what you're doing. But in terms of your input, you've already already answered the question. Have you purposefully created, as I got this this term from Victor Davis Hanson, a monastery of the mind apart from the current mainstream of media and entertainment? Yeah, I always say that my house is very important to me. Um, and I collect first editions uh, of, of those novels and, and 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 furniture and stuff like that. So my my house is kind of you know where these things are housed. And I have created a monastery of the mind. I think I think many many people have. One of the interesting things about the the, the literature I love and I, and I write about it as well academically is this kind of sixties and seventies um, detective espionage um, adventure. The literature um, is the most unfashionable literature you could possibly imagine. Okay. I can smell the tobacco smoke. Just well, coming off. Yeah, but one of the interesting things is that these these characters from from the from the sixties and seventies they're not just 
creations of the 60s and 70s. They're, they're a hangover from a, an earlier period, actually. So if you take a character like The Saint, for example, which was on television in the 60s and then The Return of the Saint in the 1970s, the character was actually created in 1928, um, and so it's almost like some of these characters and the archetype of the private eye, the Humphrey Bogart type thing, which is really popular in, in 70s literature. Uh, and there are lots of 70s private eyes. But essentially, they're that, arc, that Raymond Chandler, Dashiell Hammett, um, Humphrey Bogart archetype. And they're what's really interesting about them is they're characters from previous eras walking through the 60s and 70s and and you get a sense of the counterculture and, and all of the craziness that's happening in the 60s and 70s meeting something more substantial and that's where the the depth the richness comes out of those stories what we've got at the moment when we're talking about cancelling the past we don't get those two things meeting anymore so you, you're not going to you don't really get unless it's ridiculously postmodern and it's sending up the old you don't get those characters which are actually um archetypes from the past in the present and and how the the value systems clash or reconcile or or feed off each other anymore you've got this year zero mentality of just modern stuff and that's why it's so unfulfilling it's so shallow it's so devoid of any 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 meaning really because it's just about now it's just about these very shallow kind of rights claims things that are are, are the currency of now and that's one of the reasons why i love that literature it's a it's a it's a depth in the literature that lots of people don't really give it credit for and the and the literature is disappearing so fast as well that i feel as though i've, I've probably got one of the biggest libraries of it and 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 I'm preserving it as much as anything else, if that makes sense. Just quickly, I can, Ricky, I, I can just picture two examples of, of those two worlds you talked about meeting this kind of old world and new world uh, in a film like The Long Goodbye uh, by Robert Altman or um, Clute, which is one of my all times. Uh, absolutely. You have these stoical guys, uh, you know, seemingly detectives moving through a, a, a modern, uh, well, you know, landscape LA in one one experience, and I think New York in the other. But still, it, it, I, 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 I just when you mentioned that, that's something that interplay between those between the past and the present is something they used to do in the seventies in on cinema, for instance. We used to get this sort of, uh, I don't know, they 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 were, they were playing with it. They were they like some elements of the past. They cr critical of others. Whereas now, as you say, it really is year zero. You wouldn't be able to unless it was a cartoon pastiche. You wouldn't be able to have that the, the you know a film like Clute or Long Goodbye, for instance. Yeah, I, th I think the thing about the seventies was that the the, the I'm, I'm thinking about people like um, Peter Bogdanovich, for example. Is, is probably an example. May he yeah. rest in peace. Yeah, may he rest in peace. I, and he was, you know, he was one of those people who adored classical Hollywood and 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 took, which is perfectly fine, you know, took the elements that he loved from it and 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 recreated it in the nineteen seventies. But a lot of those new Hollywood guys, a lot of the the Easy Riders, Raging Bulls kind of um, filmmakers, they you know they were enthralled by Hollywood and 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 they and it added depth. And, and meaning to that to their filmmaking because they were drawing on traditions and you, you don't actually have to think about um cultural output you can just think about the culture in general and once we 
cut ourselves off from tradition you know it's it's the roger scruton thing isn't it you know tradition is is the the longitudinal way of of of, of finding wisdom you know uh, and by testing and testing through generations and generations and generations once we cut ourselves off from that and we only see value and wisdom in youth then we are really going is what i was saying before then we then we're really going on a hiding to nothing and and you know we we're not heading to utopia we, we're just swimming in the, the the ocean of blood that's around utopia it's interesting what you say there about, about drawing on tradition because a lot of what's happening in in Hollywood at the moment is is a rewriting of of Hollywood history in a way. Like um, there are a number of films or remakes, reboots or or reimaginings that come to mind, such as the awful Ghostbusters twenty sixteen, which had agenda flipped characters. Uh, the new Indiana Jones, which which I'm told is is going to be. Horrendous. Then you've got the Star Wars franchise, The Little Mermaid. Like this, there's, there's a bunch that come to mind. But rather than create new content, you know, Hollywood's insistent that they rewrite old material and lecture us on why the old version was hateful and bigoted. Can, can you speculate on what the goals of these companies are? Because many of these remakes, they don't do very well at the box office. And at the end of the day, like that, they are they do exist to make money. These companies. I was going to say. Um... It's it's suicide, isn't it? You know, I, I think what was the the one that that was the the gay rom com that came out recently? Bros, which which died. I mean, just completely and utterly died a, 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 a not even a slow and painful death. Just a, it was a it was a box office bullet in the head. You know, it just mm. died straight away on the first weekend. Um, and then the the director or the writer, whoever it was, was coming out and, and telling people off for not going, you know? <laughs> my God, you bigots, you're not, you're, not, you're not seeing my film. Imagine John you know? Ford doing that. Yeah, you know. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, there's something wrong with you, you know, and the, the film really does, you know, lay into heterosexual, you know, it, 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 it's, it, it's a suicide. I've, not seen, I've only seen clips of it, but it's, it, it's a suicidal attempt but it's funny that that particular film that 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 you referenced there like uh, because rom-coms are traditionally uh, females go to see rom-coms and they bring their boyfriends or husbands like they don't want to see a a a film that's trashing what they're into which is heterosexuality but also you you know know women uh, well most about me (laughs) (laughs) but then you know, because I haven't seen it either, but I've heard there's, you know, huge scenes of, of there's, a, there's a gay orgy in there, essentially, at one stage. Like, chicks just aren't into that. Like, I mean, the filmmakers obviously didn't, 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 didn't read the room, didn't, didn't, doesn't know who their audience is. Well, I, I think that's where, where Hollywood is now. But do you know, do you know what the, the, the really awful thing about that film is? And I think the real reason why, why people, people didn't go to see it, it's the cultural snobbery that's surrounding it. Yeah. And, and, and the sense that, you know, the values that people have in Greenwich Village or in or in the, you know, the all of that cultural currency of the of the, of the upper middle class elites. Um, if you don't buy into that, you're stupid. And people, you know, people understand this. You know, people understand this and, and they don't they don't want to go somewhere where they're being, you know, condescended to um, from the screen and told that they're stupid. It's not even actually told that they're wicked. It's just told that they're stupid. <laughs> you know, you know, the sneering, the sneering uh, tone of that guy's tweets just just said all of that, you know, and, and I don't I, I don't want to be told 
I'm 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 stupid and be educated by morons every time I go I, every time I go to the cinema. You know, but and, we're and staggered I, because these films all seem to be they all seem to start from the same creative meeting. I mean, I always fantasize about this meeting, the first meeting when they sit down, and then the person goes, "Yeah." Anyway, you know how Bond is a sexist... Well, not even Bond. They wouldn't even start. They'd say, you know how anyone who sees Bond is a sexist, pig, dinosaur, idiot, moron, douchebag? And then everyone all the in- looks around and says, go on. And then no one <laughs> says... And then they go, anyway, I brought in Phoebe Waller-Bridge and we've come up with a Bond movie and yeah, we'd still be better than all the other ones. And then, And no one ever says, point of order, Your Honor, who watches Bond movies? You know, point of order, Your Honor, like... Has it has it changed? And then someone in the room will go, "Oh, my my daughter went as Bond to a to a um like a Halloween party." And then you go, "Does she watch them?" Go, no, not really. So I mean, it just feels like they start from a place of contempt and then try and construct whether it's. I mean, these are all aren't the greatest examples because we could talk about proper movies, which which we might. But uh, you know, Terminator Six or whatever, all these movies seem to start from the same premise of like we hate you. But it's just, I mean, it's so boring as well isn't it it's really boring you know I've, I've had an idea you know bond's really sexist i know let's make him into a woman no let's make him a black woman let's make him a black woman in a wheelchair a trans black woman in a wheelchair let's do that how revolutionary who would have thought of that you know and they're serious and they're getting paid for this you know it's just so i don't want to say the- it out loud philip just in case it happens you know, <laughs> well, but all of these, it, it probably will. All of it's so obvious is is the point I'm trying to make. It's so one dimensional and obvious, and and it comes back to that previous point I made about about the poverty of imagination. You know, we're just obsessed with these stupid things. You know, I've got lots of uh, gay friends and 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 black friends and and trans friends. People just say, actually, this is the most unremarkable thing about me my sexuality is the most unremarkable thing about me let's talk about something else for god's sake yeah that's what most sensible people think it's only when um sexuality becomes weaponized it becomes politicized or it's a substitute for personality that that it becomes really really important and and it just feels as though we're in crisis in the culture and that crisis is being put on screen. You know, it's there, it's there to see that's where we are. You know, we, we can read our culture by looking at all of these box office flops. But here's the thing, Philip, in the seventies and in other eras, the crisis, the, the culture was in crisis as well. And when it's over, we've got the Godfather, we've got, you know, mash, we've got, you know, take your pick Nashville and and there's something to show for it, you know. And we saw those those wrestlings on screen, Bonnie and Clyde, which I saw again recently, and I was like, oh wow, what what? Thank you, the sixties. You know, you can't see it, but there's the uh, there's the Bonnie and Clyde. Amazing yeah. though, but basically everything Arthur Penn did though, like so, you know, think of Night Moves or something. You know, we've got Night Moves, which is more your your uh, genre. So I mean. I feel like this is yes we are in crisis perhaps this is all we'll be left with we'll, we'll look back and we'll go wow what an awful period of films do you know one of the most interesting things about that a reflection on that right people say at the moment and I've said it myself actually we're reliving the 70s you know uh, because we've got it's certainly in this country we've got a fuel crisis which is like the 1973 oil crisis we've got economic collapse um 
we, you know, there are wars uh, in, impacting on on um, everything that's going on globally, but also there's um, uh, there's industrial strife, all of those things. But really, actually, we're living in a very different place to the 1970s, and we're going through a different kind of crisis. Um, I think the crisis we've got at the moment is that people actually don't have to struggle to 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 put food on the table now i know there's there, there's a lot of poverty and i know that um that that many many people are struggling but the the people we're talking about the culture warriors actually they're not in crisis part of their problem is that they don't have enough to worry about you know uh, and and i think we're in a different place that that we are in than, than we were in the 1970s you know all you have to do is you've, you've got the world on your phone um you've got the world on your laptop um you've you've got you've got the you've got the opportunity and ability to kind of publish to the world uh it's a different kind of crisis but you don't have a sense of who or what you are you and and there isn't a sense of um society cohesion though there definitely was that still in the 70s okay it was crumbling and it was falling apart but it was there i don't think we've got any of that now so i think it's a different kind of crisis and i think we're responding to it in 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 a way that you do respond to that kind of crisis we talk so much about the bad for various reasons perhaps we could flip the script slightly and get you to talk about the dramas from from film or or tv from yesteryear that that, that give you hope what what are some british works from the latter part of the 20th century that that blow you away can we start in music it might be interesting to, to kind of start with start with music because we we've not really talked about that um i think there's a there's a such a a, a rich um legacy that comes right through the 20th century from 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 jazz and 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 actually um traditional pop some great traditional pop but the 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 thing that i love is is when jazz becomes something slightly different it's the end of the 40s beginning of the 50s and jazz there's a there's a period where where jazz turns into rock and roll and and it's and it's neither one thing nor the other um and and there's this glorious moment where there's this incredible amount of freedom, and then you get the sense that there's there's rock and roll, and and it and it and it changes the world. So um, I'm thinking about songs like Rocky '88, which are, which are you know early, very early manifestations of rock and roll, but 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 are are clearly you know embedded in jazz and and, and blues, and 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 there's a, there's a sense that the the, the culture drives things. Uh, so that's 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 in the US, but but you see it you see it in the UK as well, and 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 it's and it's when people have enough time and money to make culture on their own, and that idea of people lads forming bands essentially, and and working class people becoming driving forces in the culture because there's there's enough money and there are things like higher purchase you can borrow so you can you can buy expensive things like guitars and amps and drums and things like that and you can form bands and people have the leisure to do that and and there's a if there's a single thing about the the end of the 50s the 60s it's an energy that i think the 70s and 80s feed off actually and it kind of it, it runs out in the 90s but i think there's that energy and if i had to say it's it's defined by anything it's defined by um 
working class people really, really taking pop culture as their own and, and changing it into something different. And you, you get all of that, all of that stuff. It's not all working class, of course. I mean, if you think about who, who are probably, you know, the, the, the really important musical acts culturally of, of, of the 60s in this country, well, you probably have to say the Beatles and the Stones. The Stones really, you know, Mick Jagger wasn't really working class. He, he pretended he was, but, but he wasn't. He went to the London School of Economics. But you've got the Stones, you know, going through the 60s, um, releasing great record after great record after great record, but, you know, ending up in prison with the drug trials in 1967. You know, Brian Jones dying in 1969, then Altamont ending the 60s. It's a hell of a ride. It's a hell of a ride, and it changes things massively. Um, so I think I think the music drives a lot of stuff, and it drives style, and it drives this sense of of self as well. But we're talking about this sense of self now, which is completely fractured and um, and negative. It was really positive then, and I think that's the difference between then and now. And from that, you get this energy. It comes. It's not just. It's not just in in London, in in Britain. It's in it's in the provinces. It's really in the north. You see all of these great kitchen sink dramas. You see a lot of the film, you know, Saturday Night and Sunday Morning. A uh, look back in anger. Really, they're all about the north. They're all about regions. They're all about different places, and they're all about people asserting themselves and 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 trying to change things and striving for things. So we're talking about you know the the kind of crisis we're in at the moment. What are people striving for? really you know they're striving and what what will it leave behind change their gender you know what are people really striving for these people are really striving to 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 change the world you know in in positive ways yeah it just it it, it, we read i read this on twitter the other day like you know this is the uh, i I can't attribute it i I don't know who said it but it was something to the effect of you know this movement now uh whatever we're witnessing will leave behind no music you know, no music scene really to speak of, uh, and and I would extend that to, to you know, film and TV. Well, a little bit of TV, but 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 definitely film. So you know, it, it seems to be a um, a, a very uncreative movement, completely lacking that energy you speak of. It it speaks of a poverty that I've said it before, but it, it it's a poverty that's that's tragic, you know, um, and I think there's something. Something about it is the fact that people can't actually sit down and lose themselves in a movie anymore. People can't sit down and lose themselves in an album because they don't have the attention span to do it. You know, and and I actually I see it myself when I'm teaching. You know, a few years ago when when you know when social media became a, a thing and and people had phones and for the first time and laptops and stuff. If I was teaching, I'd be so offended if someone was looking at a phone. Now I'd be absolutely puzzled if somebody wasn't. You know, it doesn't mean they're not listening to me, but they 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 might be on Wikipedia. They might be they might be kind of looking up things I've said. They might be doing all sorts of things, but. All of this information we have, it's fundamentally changed how we engage with, 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 with art and culture, actually. And people just really do find it difficult to, to sit down for, for a couple of hours and watch a movie. And, and they don't, people don't listen to albums anymore, I don't think. So, you know, people just listen to snippets of songs. So, you, you, you listen to, there's another one, oh, there's another one there. But people don't sit down and listen to, to an album as a piece of art, I don't think, anymore. 
um and and you don't have the physical you don't have the physical entity which is you know 12 inches big enough to for, uh for cover art and that that went a long long time ago but big enough for cover art and 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 a and a, and a set of songs that 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 speak to each other you know um none of none of that really exists anymore um and so i think that's one of the reasons why um the the the, the cultural output is is so poverty stricken well philip if i was to start a punk rock band in 2023 i'd sing songs about how great the nuclear family is how marriage is great how there are only two genders how the missionary position is the only position and i might make a few references to faith and christianity and and i might talk about how i don't like to recycle and i don't use public transport is conservatism the new punk rock i think it is I think it is. I was going to say, if if you know, if you were going to be the Sex Pistols in two thousand and twenty three, or the New York Dolls in two thousand and twenty three, or something like that, you know, that's that's what you were doing. And you were doing a Malcolm McLaren Svengali thing. You were putting it together. You're saying, right, okay, what are the what are the pressure points here? What are, what are we going to do? That's 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 precisely what you would do. Um, I, last year we, uh, with the New Culture Forum, we we did a, a conference, um, and and it was where our book Fighting Back came from. Um, and the historian um, David Starkey um, came back and spoke to some of the members afterwards, and he got it. He, he, he got that. He said essentially the same thing that you've just said. He said, "We are with with the new revolutionaries. You know, we are kind of we're fighting back against all of this stuff, which is now the orthodoxy, which is now um, what you have to think. You know, because if if you think about it, if you if you're a young person, right, and and you and you you think you're really revolutionary, but you've got the identical kind of green hair, uh, BLM badge, um, rainbow stuff, um, all of the things. You're thinking exactly like Google. You're thinking exactly like the BBC. You're thinking exactly like the education institutions. There is nothing, absolutely nothing rebellious about any of it whatsoever. Um, and that's a, that's a really bizarre situation to be in. It's, it's a re- if you think about it, it's a really bizarre situation to be in. Does, you know, to, to, to push back on all of that stuff, you're looking to you're looking to conservatism. You're looking to thinkers like Roger Scruton. You're looking to thinkers like Edmund Burke. It's 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 a really bizarre situation, but that's the situation we're in. Do, do, do you think there would be an avenue though, if there were acts in in rock music or punk music that that sort of went for this conservatism bent? How would they get their stuff out there? Because chances are, you know, streaming services are getting more work, YouTube, you might get demonetized, you might get shadow banned. Like, how would you get your stuff out there? You probably wouldn't choose music, actually. If you were going to do, if you were going to be a, a, a cultural activist and you were going to do something that, that that pushes against all of this stuff, actually, you, you probably wouldn't do, you wouldn't choose music. I don't know what you'd choose. Actually, because I'm I'm removed in terms of age. We're talking about young people here, aren't we? Fighting back. I'm removed in terms of age, so I I don't know. My generation would have chosen music. I did. I was in a band. I was in a rock and roll band. You know. So uh, we 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 did. We I, we made music, and that was that was how we got our message out there. I don't think you would use music now. I don't know what you'd use, but I, I don't think you I don't think you'd form a band. Is the answer to that? Yeah. NFTs maybe. Yeah. I, I, I just I, I don't know. I don't know what you'd do. The, the the lack of like the, the fact that we've had to just say goodbye to bands completely and the disinterest shown by and i'm not you know it just is a fact that if that younger people don't that 
don't, they're not interested in music in that way. They're not. They don't. They don't read liner notes and. And I'm not nostalgic. I'm not making that a nostalgic thing. It's just you know, it's not uh, getting lost in lyrics was something that I used to do as a young person. I just don't feel that it's happening much now. It was music was a portal into the past for me as well, in, in a way that. Um, so I started with uh, the very obvious stuff uh, when when I really first got into music when I was a teenager in the eighties, and that was the local kind of indie scene you know, of, of indie music, the Smiths and, and, and all, it was got all alternative. Um, and it was quite cool, but it was, it was, it was just the music of the time. And then I got into punk from that because it came from punk. And then from punk, I got into the, the New York stuff, New York dolls and, and, and all of the, the, the kind of, you know, the velvets. Um, and from there I got into, the Stones, which which I think you know that that's the kind of stuff that I really love, and sixties garage music, and, and 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 all of that stuff. So it was it was a it was a, a continuous journey back. But I think kids still do that, you know. When I teach kids, and I, and I and I and I play them all of this stuff, they're absolutely fascinated. But I don't know I don't know if then they go on and continue with it. With me, I just knew it was what I wanted to do, and I knew from about the age of thirteen, I, I was I was so interested and fascinated in this journey it's a cliche but it's a journey going backwards and exploring all of this stuff and the music scene enabled me to do that so i don't think i don't think young people have that now and and i was always interested in what the past had to offer and now people of course people are frightened of the past because the past is wicked the past is evil so people don't want to go there they only want to go there as we started this conversation to tell it off so i think music maybe does different things for people now and and one of them is certainly not opening up the past to people and that's that's a dreadful shame that that's as tragic as anything that we said today actually well, we've got one, one final question on a cinematic topic here. Um, do you have any view on the cowardice of many of the cinematic titans of the past, many, many whom have not made any public comment about the vandalism of their art form or the nonsensical top-down rules that would have robbed us of their best movies? You know, we used to read about the wild rebels of the Hollywood New Wave, for instance, or the Sundance crew, yet the people we hear defending common sense and art. It's not Martin Scorsese. It's not Brian De Palma. It's not Steven Spielberg, but it's, it's not Rob Reiner, but it's Rob Schneider or, or uh, Jim Abrams who, who made Aeroplane and Naked Gun. What are we to make of this silence in the face of what is an existential threat to the screen arts? God, it's a really, it's a really good question. And my instinct is to, is to call them out. But... People get older, you know, people maybe aren't, aren't quite quite sure what's going on. I mean, that's that's probably not an excuse, actually, in, in any meaningful way. But Steven Spielberg couldn't have said the word Latinx uh, or Latinx more recently. I know, I know. I mean, I'm, I'm being, I'm being too, I'm being too generous here. But I'm always, I'm always just a little bit hesitant. To, to kind of say, well, you know, you should be, you should be at the, you know, the barricades, you should be fighting for this. Um, it's sad, is, is, is as far as I'll go. I, 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 it, just, it just feels as though, for me, 
it just feels as though it's over. And I suppose my, it, it, I'm not giving you the, the 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 answer that you thought I would give you, actually, am I? But it just feels as though it's over, and and I can't get I can't get really worked up about those type of people not standing up for things. I want I want the 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 younger filmmakers to actually make great films now you could say that well they need people like spielberg you know and brian de palma all of those people to actually give them the impetus to say that and tell them that they can do anything and i wouldn't disagree with you and i know i'm, I'm fudging here but i just i don't know I, I just i just feel hesitant to 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 have a go at old old geniuses really it's just it's, it's tragic more than anything else but it, it's just the way it is has tarantino come out he's uh, one and, of the and, only ones who's yeah. say, who's who's edged as close as you can get in hollywood to, to saying anything hinting like because there is no way that any of the people we've talked about i would say any of those titans the upper pantheon filmmakers or whoever there is no way they would believe or subscribe to any of these dumb ideas of today. They wouldn't. Th- they would think it's a meritocracy. They would think that um, it's their way or the highway. They'd think that dictatorial rule is 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 how art should be, and that they should just be able to do what they want. They would think it would just be. Are they probably firing guns on set and like you know driving cars without telling anybody, break shutting down bridges like Friedkin did and stuff. So they and they might regret some of that stuff. But but in terms of who they have to cast and the stories they have to tell and and the guardrails that have been put up on their stories, like you would never be able to, you'd never be able to have an ambiguous ending. All those endings we love, then none of them would exist because you'd go, oh, well, like that, that's not, you know, that, they would just force you to go a different way or, the, or there would be, yet it, this is the last slam I'll do, there would always be a sassy boss bitch chick. Like in the, Godfather Part 4, Michaela would be her name and she would be like, and she'd be telling Michael what to do. She'd be like, she'd be like, shut up, you old man. She'd be like, this is, this is how you, old this is how man. you do it. Well, yeah, she'd go, this is how you do it. And then she would school him. So these guys are saying nothing. And it's, I think it's besmirching their entire. You know, I, I think you're right. I, you know, I think you're right. But I think, I don't think they're the same people that they were because they're older versions of those people and you change with age. And, and, you know, they were they were the easy riders and raging bulls, weren't they? They were there to kick the shit out of it, tear up the, the rule book and start again. And they were doing that because they were all young. You know, now they're all old and and they are not the people to be um to be challenging things. It needs it needs to come from from younger people. The proviso there, of course, is what I said before. You know, younger people need need you know, need people to, to kind of show them the way. But I think what young people should do is look look to the old films and look to the people they were, not to the people they are. Well, we can't beat that. that that's I 100% agree with that. I'm going to end it right there. But we, we do need to uh, first get some plugs from you. So where can people find you, Philip, online? You can find me uh, on Twitter, which is um, Kissily Philip. Um, I think there are two, uh, but there's Kissily Philip is, is is the one my last name, and, and then and then Philip. You can see me. I'm, I'm a I tweet like there's no tomorrow. So um, as you know, so I'm there. You can also find me on Facebook as well, just under my name and on Instagram, and, and I'm part of New Culture Forum. Yes, search the New Culture Forum on YouTube and watch all the videos. 
Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks very much indeed. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the New Flesh podcast. If you like our work, please consider rating us on Apple Podcasts or even writing us a review. It really does help the show reach a wider audience. We'll be back with another episode next week. Until then, long live the New Flesh.